At Urban Farm Podcast, we are all about education, and April is Foliar Feeding Month. Have you heard of it? It is a super simple application of spraying liquid organic fertilizer on your trees and garden plants. The leaves, branches, and trunks are incredible at absorbing nutrients. And if your soil isn't great or your pH is off, foliar feeding is a quick and long-lasting fix to get your plants the nutrients they need. Want to learn more? Join us for our free online webinar on how to apply this amazing process to your gardens and fruit trees. Visit urbanfarm.org to sign up. That's urbanfarm.org. Greetings, urban farmers, gardeners, and healthy food visionaries. Farmer Greg here, and welcome to the 533rd episode of the Urban Farm Podcast, where every day we work together to educate and inspire you to become part of your food revolution. Today on our podcast, we have someone who is building community and local food resilience through a farmer's market. We're talking with Amanda Fallis about market life. Amanda grew up doing home renovation with her father. She did a quick stint as a mechanic right out of high school before returning to renovations. Then she moved to British Columbia from Toronto at the age of 25 and started embracing a simpler life, which included market life. One thing led to another, and since May of 2019, she has been the assistant manager to the Vernon Farmers Market in Vernon, British Columbia. Welcome to the show today, Amanda. Are you ready to rock farmers markets? Oh, you know it, Greg. Let's rock. Excellent. So I shared a bit about you. Can you fill in the blanks for us and share more about the path you took to get where you're at today? Yeah, most definitely. So I had a bit of a journey to get where I am. As you mentioned, I grew up and was currently doing home renovations. And just with some different life events that happened, I started looking into simpler lives, growing a garden. I've been doing that for the past three. This will be the fourth year. I started going to the farmer's market. That was when I was down in Kelowna. And that led me to a UPEC farm. So that was a lot of fun too. But then moved up to Vernon and I was starting to do some crafty things of my own, becoming a vendor at the market. So I was looking around, and there was a Sunday one, and it didn't have much of a social media presence. So after a couple of weeks, I volunteered. I spoke with the woman in charge, like, hey, I can set up a social media, Facebook, and get the word out. So she didn't have any time, and she was a bit of an old... She's with it, but she's a little older. But so, yeah, she thought it was a great idea. So that was one on Sunday here in Vernon. And then it did fizzle out. But talking to those vendors, they suggested the big Vernon Farmers Market. And it just so happened the annual general meeting, AGM, was coming up. So they told me I should check it out. And while sitting at that meeting, it was announced that the big Vernon Farmers Market was looking for an assistant manager. And I checked off all the all the boxes, good with social media and just a friendly, happy person eager to help out. So yeah, I touched, we touched base and the rest was history. And now I've been with the market for this past season, uh, summer, and we're currently in the winter. Well, we're, we'll be just wrapping up the winter. This is coming out in a bit. Sorry. <laughs> That's okay. Is the market open during the winter up there? Uh, yes, it is from October until March. Oh, very well. We're indoors though. Yeah. yeah right. <laughs> indoors. And then, and then you do have a summer's market. Yeah. Yeah, it's April until the end of October. 
Wow, nice. And one of the big reasons that I wanted to have you particularly on the show, we saw each other on Instagram and I saw what you were doing. I want you to share with our listeners the pathway to get to a farmer's market if you're growing stuff in your yard. Because one of the things that I did back when I was in college, I went back to college late in life, I was in my early 40s, is I grew food in my front and backyard and I harvested it once a week and took it to a farmer's market. And I know that for a lot of people, that's a little bit intimidating. And so I just wanted to kind of see if you could frame out the process to go from, oh my gosh, I have food in my front or backyard to actually selling at a market. Yeah. So there are, we're part of the British Columbia Association of Farmers Markets, the BCAFM. So we do have to follow some guidelines and most markets, even if they're not involved, they have different food guidelines too. It's just a smart idea. But yeah, the once you get the different certifications, insurance, then you're just good to go in general, whether it's our market or whatever market in the area. There's lots here in the Okanagan. But so you would just be touching base with interior health. Insurance is a good idea because you never know. You know, we hear about food scares here and there. Mm-hmm, right. But yeah, just different authorities in the area. If you shoot us an email, we send you a whole package. We'll make sure you have all your bases. But yeah, once it's all set up, you're good to go. Like I say, whether it's our market or any of them in the area. (laughs) Most markets have a packet that you can go download, either uh, get emailed to or download that kind of walks you through the process. And it's, isn't it usually pretty simple? It is. Yep. Yeah. I'm looking at ours right now. And yeah, like I say, it's, it's got everything on it, name, your address, phone number. And then, like I say, it'll, it's got all the different certifications you may need listed there. So you just check yes or no. If you're not sure, you can touch base with us and we've got all the info. With regards to the insurance, I should mention too that BCAFM, that organization, they offer a group insurance. So a lot of our vendors choose to go that way. It's a little bit cheaper. Mm -hmm. Yeah. One of the things that I know about our local farmer's market here in Phoenix is there's a community booth. So you might even check with your market to see if there's some place you could take your stuff and have them sell it. Do you have anything like that at your market? Well, funny enough, I've listened to a few of your episodes and I've heard that and I brought it up with the manager. So I'm the assistant manager. And uh-huh. just because of the BCAFM thing, it might be a little bit tricky, but we they just so happen to have a conference coming up. So we're going to be bringing it up there because it does sound like a really good idea. <laughs> yeah, well, that, that, that even makes it super easy for somebody to get in. Almost definitely, yeah. Yeah, excellent. So what role do you fill at the farmer's market? So personally, if you check us out on our social media platforms, a lot of those posts are from me, I'd say 70 to 80%. And then at the market itself, when I first come in, I go and do a big mar- big walk of the market. Depending on the time of year, we've got anywhere from 40 to 180 vendors. Uh, It's a good size. So I do my walk around and take photos for the good morning, come on out to the market. Oh, nice. Uh Social media posts. And while I'm doing that, I'll check and make sure that everyone's weighted down, just, you know, little infractions, the rules and stuff. But yeah, go around, say good morning to everyone. And then after that, I'm at the information booth. You can find me there answering questions. And later on throughout the day, I'll go collect the stall fees. And depending what time of month it is, we have a nutrition program as well through the BCAFM. So I'll go around and collect those coupons and give out checks. Yeah. And then help with taking things down at the end. Yeah. So 
I decide to come to your farmer's market and I bring stuff and I, you know, I go through the whole registration process and I bring stuff. And on a Saturday, I end up selling $250 worth of produce that I grew in my front yard. How do you guys get paid? How does that process work? So we only get paid through the stall fees. So you can either come as a daily vendor or we do offer a season's pass as well. But so that's when you pay us and then whatever you make is what you make. Ah, very good. Because <laughs> I know some markets actually take a cut of what you make. Mm-hmm, yeah, I've seen that. Kind of funny. <laughs> we all got to make money though. <laughs> well, there you go. Exactly. So there's there's the stall fee, and I know I know that uptown farmers markets has a small stall fee, and then they take I think ten percent of what your sales are for the day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how do farmers market build community? Well, just everyone's out and about here in the sunny Okanagan. Like this past season, we really lucked out. We only had two or three rainy days, so yeah, it's a nice, beautiful day. You know, rather than being at the grocery store or the mall, artificial bright gross lights and people not in happy moods. You know, you're out with the community. You're seeing what your neighbors are doing, whether it's what they're growing at their farms or we have crafters and artisans too. So just really being inspired. Everyone's happy. Everyone's smiling. Uh, you got good fresh food around. It's hard not to build community. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. How many booths do you have at a typical market day for you? So in our busy season... Anywhere from 150 to 180. Wow. Um, yeah. That's a huge <laughs> a <lot> market. <laughs> yeah. Wow. That's cool. Yeah. yeah and, and each vendor can have up to three booths as well, three stalls. Mm-hmm. So that's just, you know, the vendors plus, you know, if some have two or three stalls. Yeah. It spreads right. out quite a bit. <laughs> and where do you hold your market at? So we're over at Cal Tire Place here in town in Vernon. So it's 3445. 43rd Avenue. And yeah, everyone knows it's a big hockey arena. Yeah. Got it. Oh, wow. Yeah. So That's we're out cool. in the back parking lot. They just did construction and yeah, we have a huge, beautiful parking lot now. <laughs> nice, nice, yeah. nice. And why should somebody go to a farmer's market and how does it build local resilience? Well, you're, su- you're supporting your neighbors and supporting the community, keeping those dollars local. That's one hashtag I like to throw around sometimes is hashtag vote with your dollars. Oh yes. You know, we want to keep we want to keep things local. We want to keep our farmers most definitely. We want to keep them afloat and keep them doing their thing. Keep our food local as possible. Yeah, it's just I don't know. I love the markets. I've been doing you know whether it's going as a customer or now with this position and as a vendor. It's it's just so wonderful seeing everyone and just keeping the vibes. You know, keeping yeah. things afloat. <laughs> well, you know, it's really cool. I, I love when I can hit the. I usually work on Saturdays, unfortunately, so I can't hit the market that often. But our local farmers market near my house here has you know, 125 vendors on a Saturday. That's three rows of vendors, and the energy is just palpable when you walk into the space you know people are walking up and down they bring their dogs they you know it's just it's just a fun happy place to be Mm -hmm, most definitely it's funny there that you mentioned the dogs though that's one thing about our market is unfortunately no animals are allowed oh really (laughs) yeah well that's a bummer yeah it's just just a health yeah food safety thing yeah so what's special about your farmer's market i think it's got really good vibes i've been to a few here in the okanagan yeah ours Maybe it's because of the size. I don't know. We have a lot of buskers, too, in entertainment. Like, it's just a happening market. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Can you share an epic moment of what you love about the market? It's kind of epic to me. It might be a little 
nerdy to some people, but I'm a really big bee lover. Uh-huh. So I had just been doing some bee courses and went to some talks at the university and whatnot. So I had just met some people and back for Victoria May long weekend here in Canada, mm-hmm. we do a big event where that's kind of gardening time. So it's a big garden event at the market and all gardening themed. And so I thought it would be a really neat idea to have a booth there about bees. And so I touched base with some of the people I had just met and it was all coming, you know, the event was coming, everything was last minute. And one woman who I had sent a Facebook message to, we weren't friends. So it went to that hidden little message area. Mm -hmm. She didn't see it till about the night before day of. And last minute she said, oh, I know someone who might be able to help. So she passed me along and I touched base with him. And he's actually one of the big guys in the Bee Association here in the area. And he said, yeah, sure, I'll come on down. I'll have a observation beehive and everything, wow. a bunch of documents. Yeah, so sure enough, like evening of, I did a big post. <laughs> Yay, we have bees tomorrow. And yeah, just at the market that day, everyone absolutely loved them. It was it was really neat getting the word out about the bees and letting, you know, watching the kids, oh, watching yeah. this observation hive. It was so cute. <laughs> nice. So yeah, epic to me being a huge bee lover and trying to get the word out. And <laughs> you know, that's what it's all about. Awesome. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to shift on you and I'd like for you to talk about a time you failed, how you overcame that failure and what you might have learned from it. One failure. It kind of, in the end, brings us back to gardening and farming. But so I was a mechanic right out of high school for a little bit at Toyota. So I know my way around a car. And back a couple of years ago, while I was living here in British Columbia, I had to go back to Toronto to then go to South Carolina for one of my best friend's weddings. And so my bearing on my car, it was on its way out. And I had a 4,000 kilometer drive around about 2,500 miles. Mm-hmm. So I was I was hoping it would last till I got to Toronto. And I was going to do it at the shop that I worked at. And they were going to give me parts for costs and this and that. It was going to be about $100. So I started on my journey. I went across the mountains. I went across the prairies. And I got to the Manitoba-Ontario Ontario border. And the bearing was sounding pretty bad. And the ride was getting pretty bumpy. And I still had 18 hours to go to Toronto. Oops. <laughs> But so long story short, just outside Thunder Bay, Ontario and Kaministiqua, I couldn't go any farther. The wheel was going to fall off of the car. And so I was at the side of the road and the volunteer firefighters just so happened to be driving by. They told me to come back to the, the station just a little bit down the road, thankfully. And they went, they borrowed their friend's car hauler. They towed me into Thunder Bay. They let me stay with them for three days as we waited for parts and that I was on my way. But so the huge failure was, you know, coulda, shoulda, woulda. I should have done the bearing before a 4,000 kilometer drive. That was really dumb of me, especially with my knowledge. Mm-hmm. But the big, beautiful thing coming out of it, staying with these firefighters <laughs> in Kaministiqua for three days, they're beautiful family. And they were out in the bush on a little homestead. Wow. Like, it was just at a at a really critical point where I was, you know, going into the simpler life and yeah, just being with them on their homestead, their family, three days out in the bush. It was beautiful. Wow, nice. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. So Liz and Josh, thank you very much. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. And what do you consider your biggest success? Just the family and community that I've been building to this point and will continue to build and yeah. 
we just we need people in our lives and having yeah. good friends inspiring people yeah amen to that yeah. what drives you what drives me is my family it was an interesting childhood but so from a young age I, I knew I was you know I was going to do and be big things whatever they ended up being and it all came back to my mom I wanted to give my mom the best life possible and I'm still working on it but we're going to get there and yeah just family currently the brothers and you know family that I have and future family that I have whenever we get going on that <laughs> are they all back in Toronto or did they move some of moved to BC with you sadly all my family's in Toronto except I've got a cousin and an aunt and uncle out here oh nice cool yeah and if you could recommend one book for our listeners what would it be and why so I've actually got two for you one of them might be a little bit out of the box you might know it the little engine that could by Waddy Piper <laughs> oh yes and so yeah yeah that one was from my childhood, from my grandparents' house, my grandpa. He was a dairy farmer, actually, and he was just an amazing man, an inventor, always doing his thing. But so that book, he would always read it, and I think I can, I think I can, when she's going up the hill and then mm-hmm. she comes over. I thought I could, I thought I could. And so over the years, I've changed it to, I know I can, and I knew I could. Yes, and, yeah. amen to that. Yeah, so The Little Engine That Could, it's an oldie but a goodie. And then my second book, Start With Why by Simon Sinek. And I wrote down a funny quote that you might enjoy from it. I felt helpless and began thinking a hopeless thought that a business owner would consider committing suicide. I thought about getting a job. (laughs) (laughs) But so, you know, it's a little bit harsh words there, committing suicide. But as an entrepreneur, you know, we never, God, thinking about getting a job, do anything but that. Right. (laughs) And so that, yeah. But so that book is really great, and I love the audio book. Simon reads it himself, mm-hmm. and he's he's very poetic, you might say, in telling the story. It's, it's yeah, finding your why, doing what you do every day, all day, every day. Yeah. That's really important. That's a big reason that I do this podcast, because I know there are people out there listening that absolutely hate what they do. And <laughs> yeah. you're right, I the suicide part is pretty severe, but I've only had one job in my life and I'm 58 years old and it lasted, mm-hmm. it lasted 11 months and I was miserable and I got fired. And so <laughs> the, th- and that was back in 1984. The thought of actually having to go to work somewhere is painful for me. And that's why I like sharing success stories from people like you that share the possibility of being able to do something other than, you know, having a job that's dreary that you don't like. Mm -hmm, Most definitely. Just, yeah, find your why. Do you. (laughs) There you go. And what one final piece of advice do you have for our listeners? So it kind of ties back with what we were just talking about, finding your why. A quote from John C. Maxwell, when you find your why, you'll find your way. Yeah, just the advice is just go out and do you, Henry Ford, whether you think you can or you think you can't, you are right. Right. Just, yeah, like, just go for it. We live in a a day and age now, like, you know, I'm a mechanic, I'm a home renovations, I do jewelry, I'm a gardener, like, you know, we can do and be whatever we want nowadays, Mm -hmm. don't let anyone tell you otherwise. Give it a try. What's going to happen? You're going to fail. What do you do? Like you learn from it. <laughs> right. That's <laughs> you know? why I, that's why I asked the question. It's like, whoop de doo you're going to learn from it, get over it, move forward. Yeah. <laughs> like to not try and then, 
and then what? <laughs> You're right. just watching TV all day, every day. I don't right. know. And honestly, the big reason that I inserted this question, the failure question, into the into every interview I've ever done is I had a massive failure of a business in 2004 where I ended up losing almost $100,000. And, uh, you know, it was, it was the business of my lifetime. And in retrospect, when we were done and I'd lost my money, it was like, oh, my God, thank you. Thank you. I don't want to be doing that. <laughs> and, and, you know, the lessons that I learned, the big lesson on that one for me was that I shouldn't have started at the $100,000 level. I should have started at the $10,000 level and proven the $10,000 level first. I just, you know, I jumped in wholehearted and figured it was be successful. That was my, uh, we were growing organic plant starts here in Phoenix and, you know, through a series of unfortunate events outside of my control, it just didn't work. So yeah. Just stories for the grandkids. There you go. <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining us on the show today, Amanda. Most definitely. Thank you so much for having me. How can our listeners find you? Well, I guess for me personally, if you want to get in touch, my email is a underscore fallis, F-A-L-L-I-S at hotmail.com. Or you can find me on Instagram at a underscore fallis or Facebook as well, I guess, Amanda Fallis. And then for the market, vernonfarmersmarket.ca there is a .com too but that's Vernon Texas and we're on Instagram vernon underscore farmers underscore market and Facebook Vernon Farmers Market you can shoot us an email I don't get the emails the market manager Ingrid does but so that email is info at vernonfarmersmarket.ca awesome thank you thank you thank you and you can find show notes from today's podcast at urbanfarm.org forward slash Vernon Market. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Urban Farm Podcast. Remember to listen for tips, advice, and resources to help you on your journey with urban farming. You can find us on the web at urbanfarm.org or send us an email to podcast at urbanfarm.org. In the words of Vincent Van Gogh, great things are done by a series of small things brought together. Be encouraged that with each lesson learned and skill developed, you are one step closer in the direction of your dreams. One of the first things that many of us learn when we start to garden is how to water and fertilize the soil. But there is an exception to this rule and it's called foliar feeding. You should foliar feed or water the leaves of your plant with liquid fertilizer when you want certain nutrients to be absorbed better. Not only are the leaves great at uptaking liquid fertilizer, if your soil isn't very good or your pH is off, foliar feeding can help your veggies and fruit trees quickly get the nutrients they need to thrive. If you're ready to start foliar feeding for maximum growth yields and quality, head on over to urbanfarm.org forward slash feed the leaves to see our selection of foliar feeding products. That's urbanfarm.org forward slash feed the leaves.